It's great to be together again uh, to worship God and to learn from His Word as we study together. Uh, Mark chided me a little bit for my winter scene on the announcements, but I don't know if you've looked at the calendar, but uh, this week will be the winter solstice when we have the shortest day of the year. So after this week, the days are going to start getting longer as we go on our march towards spring. So that's a a comforting thought. Uh, So maybe it is a little chilly in the picture, but there's warmer times coming, Lord willing. In John chapter 10, verse 10, that Joseph just read for us, Jesus says that I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Jesus came to this world and he came and sacrificed himself so that we can have life and have it more abundantly. Now that statement has caused a lot of confusion. Many have interpreted Jesus' statement to mean that if we will follow Him, that our lives will be without challenge. That our lives here on earth will be improved and it will be reflected in our bank accounts. It will be reflected when we go to the doctor and get a physical. Our health will be great, good, and our relationships will be wonderful. We will have life and we'll have it more abundantly. Along those lines, the famous preacher Joel Osteen preaches a gospel similar to this. Joel Osteen said this, he said, Keep reminding yourself, God takes pleasure in prospering me. I'm the head and never the tail. The scripture says God will supply our needs according to His riches. So often we look at our situations and think, I'll never get ahead. Joel, I'm in the projects. I'll never get out. No, it's not according to what you have. It's according to what He has. The good news is God owns it all. One touch of God's favor can blast you out of barely enough and put you into more than enough. God has ways to increase you beyond your normal income, beyond your salary, beyond what's predictable. Now quit telling yourself this is all I'll ever have. Granddaddy was broke. Mom and Daddy didn't have anything. My dog's on welfare. My cat's homeless. Let go of all of that and have an abundant mentality. This is not where I'm staying. I'm blessed. I'm prosperous. I'm headed to overflow, to the land of more than enough. He goes on. He says, you are not going to settle for beans and rice. You are not going to get stuck in the land of barely enough or the land of just enough. But you're going to keep praying, keep believing expecting, hoping, dreaming, working, being faithful until you make it all the way into the land of more than enough. Now, there's nothing wrong with beans and rice, nothing wrong with surviving, but God wants you to go further. God wants to set you, wants you to set a new standard for your family. He's an overflow God, a more than enough God. Jesus told a parable about a prodigal son. This young man left home and blew all of his money, wasted his inheritance, and decided to return home. And when his father saw him, the father represents God, he said to the staff, go kill the fatted calf. We're going to have a party. The older brother was upset. He said, Dad, I've been with you this whole time, and you've never given me a skinny goat. Let me ask you, do you have a fatted calf mentality, or do you have a skinny goat mentality? Do you think beans and rice are good enough? Or do you say, then you can live off bread and water. You can survive in the land of barely enough. We can endure the land of just enough, just enough to make it through, just enough to pay my bills this week. 
but that is not God's best. Your heavenly Father, the one who, that breathed life into you, is saying, I've got a fatted calf for you. I've got a place for you in the land of more than enough. Joel Osteen says that God wants your life here on earth to be overflowing, to have more than enough. Is that what Jesus was saying when He said that He came to give us life and give us life that's more abundant, that we may live more, a more abundant life? This morning, I want to look at that with you. What was Jesus saying here? That He came so that we could have life and we could have life more abundant. What is He saying? First off, I want to tell you, I think we can eliminate some possibilities about what Jesus was saying by looking at what his other teaching was. I think we can understand this statement of Jesus in John chapter 10, verse 10, by looking at the whole of Jesus' teaching. Was Jesus saying that he came here on earth so that our bank account could have lots of zeros at the end of it? Did Jesus come here on earth so that physically our health could be wonderful? And all of our relationships could be exactly what we might ever dream them to be? Is that why Jesus came to the earth? Well, we can understand what Jesus was saying here by looking at his other teachings. First off, we need to be very clear on the fact that Jesus warned us about the dangers of physical abundance. Now, Jesus didn't say that physical abundance was bad, but he is very clear on his warnings about the dangers of physical abundance. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 19, in Matthew chapter 19, verse 16, Matthew 19, beginning verse 16, now behold, one came and said to him, Good teacher, what shall I do, or what good thing shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So he said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. But if you want to enter life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? Jesus said, You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, All these things I have kept from my youth, what do I still lack? Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor and you will have increase in heaven and come follow me. But the young man, when he heard that saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. Notice this, verse 23. Then Jesus said to his disciples, assuredly, I say to you that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Well, when his disciples heard it, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said to them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Notice Jesus didn't say you can't go to heaven if you're rich. But Jesus did say that if you're rich, it's going to bring challenges. We all live in a prosperous area. This county is incredibly prosperous. How many of your neighbors were getting up this morning to go to church? Probably not many. How many people at work this week are going to want to talk to you about what they read in the Bible this weekend? Probably not many. Now, probably a lot of you people at work will want to talk to you about how much money they made in the stock market or what kind of expensive new thing they're going to buy or where they're going to go on vacation next. There's not going to be much focus on the Bible or what God wants from us. 
Jesus warned about this in the parable of the sower in Matthew chapter 13. In Matthew chapter 13, look at verse 22. Matthew 13, verse 22. Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. The cares and deceitfulness of riches can choke out the word and kill us spiritually. And we see that played around in the lives of people around us all the time, don't we? Where riches chokes out spirituality, chokes out the focus on God and His Word and living for God. The riches and the pleasures and the desires of the riches of this world can cause us to shift our focus. So those like Joel Osteen, who teach us that Jesus has promised of life more abundantly... And they're interpreting that as meaning that we're going to have this overflow of physical prosperity. I want to tell you, I think they're ignoring what Jesus said about the fact that it's going to be hard for those who are prosperous to enter into heaven. Jesus didn't say it was impossible. and He didn't say it's bad to have possessions. But Jesus warned about physical abundance. Furthermore, Jesus promised trials for those who are going to be faithful to him. Jesus said it wasn't going to always be easy in this life. He, should, he said we should expect the same treatment that he received in John chapter 15. In John chapter 15, verse 19. John 15, beginning verse 19, If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, this, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. If they kept my word, they'll keep yours also. Jesus said, listen, it isn't always going to be rosy for you if you're my disciple. Because if you're living the way that you should live, you're going to be swimming upstream. You're going to be going against the grain. You're not going to be like everybody else around you. Listen, they hated me, Jesus says. I didn't make everybody happy. And you're not going to make everybody happy either if you're being like me. There's going to be hard times. And so this life more abundantly that he's promising isn't obviously that it's going to be rosy with us all the time. There's going to be trials, Jesus said. Jesus said that we're going to have hard times in John 16, verse 33. John 16, verse 33. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace, in the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. doesn't sound like Jesus is trying to sell us on the idea that everything's going to be perfect in this life, is he? He says there are going to be trials in this world. There are going to be difficulties. There are going to be challenges. So clearly Jesus' promise of an abundant life must not be in reference to our physical existence. Because he said that physical abundance is a challenge and that there are going to be trials in this life. What is Jesus telling us? Furthermore, Jesus demanded that we have to be willing to lose everything that we have in order to serve him and to be faithful to him. We need to be willing to lose it all so we can be faithful to him. Instead of promising overflowing bank accounts, Jesus says it might cost us our bank account. In Matthew chapter 10, in Matthew chapter 10, verse 37, He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me, and he who does not take his cross, son or your daughter. But what he's saying is, I've got to come first. I've got to be the most important thing in your life. 
And it may cost you the relationship with your father or your mother or your son or your daughter. Have you heard the stories like I have of the child who decided that they wanted to live a life for God and their parents disowned them and said, that's not my son or my daughter anymore because they're committed to serving God? Have you heard of those stories? I have. Jesus expects us to be willing to pay whatever price we have to pay. Jesus is not saying, hey, it's just going to be rosy for you and you're going to have everything you ever desired. You're going to have those fajitas and those enchiladas. It's going to be perfect. He says it may cost you. In Luke chapter 18, in Luke chapter 18, verse 28, in Luke chapter 20, 18, verse 28, Peter said, See, we have left all and followed you, he says to Jesus. So Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or parents or brothers or wife or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who shall not receive many more in this present time and in the age to come eternal life. Jesus didn't chide Peter and say, listen, Peter, what are you talking about forsaking everything? If you follow me, it's going to be great. You're going to have an overflow because I'm the God of overflow. No, he says, if that happens, you'll be blessed. But you may have to do that, Jesus said. Jesus' promise clearly of an abundant life is not the promise of physical prosperity. The goal isn't to see how big a pile you can pile up for yourself. The goal isn't to see how prosperous you can come. The goal is to serve God no matter the cost. And we see this played out in the lives of first century Christians. First century Christians didn't enjoy physical prosperity. We've got a number of case studies of the lives of first century Christians. And many of those case studies will show us that first century Christians did not have an overflow of abundance. That the abundant life that Jesus promised wasn't that everything was rosy in their lives physically. No, first century Christians had it hard. From the very beginning, in Acts chapter 2, we see Christians who were lacking, who didn't have what they needed, and others had to help them out so that they would have enough. In Acts chapter 2, beginning verse 44, Now all who believed were to anyone had need. There were Christians in the first century, as soon as the church was established in Acts chapter 2, who had needs. Now wait a minute, why is that? If Jesus came that we may have life more abundantly... Why would there be Christians who had need if he was promising physical prosperity? In Acts chapter 4, in Acts chapter 4, beginning verse 34, the needs continued. And it says, Nor were there any among them who lacked, for all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold and laid them at the apostles' feet. And they distributed to each as anyone had need. And Joses, who was also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. There were needs of Christians in their lives in the first century. Their lives weren't an overflow of an abundance in the first century. They had physical needs. And furthermore, they were physically abused. You remember in Acts chapter 5, the apostles were beaten. In Acts chapter 7, Stephen was stoned to death. Jesus promised persecution to the point of death for Christians in Revelation chapter 2, verse 10. 
Revelation chapter 2, verse 10, Jesus promised that they were going to be persecuted. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison. The crown of life. Jesus said, you're going to have to suffer. In fact, there are going to be some of you who might have to be killed for my name. And history tells us about that, doesn't it? About all of the Christians in the early days who were killed because of their commitment to Christ. How do we compare that with the idea that Jesus is coming to give us an abundant life if what this abundant life is is that our physical life is rosy, that we have everything that we need, that it's just overflowing, that there's abundance dripping off of us everywhere? How do we make that harmonize? Paul describes the physical condition that he endured. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am in to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I've learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Why would Paul say this? Why would Paul say that he knows how to be hungry if God says that beans and rice aren't enough, that you need to have those fajitas and those enchiladas? Do you see we have a conflict with what some are saying that Jesus, he came to give us life more abundantly? With people are saying, oh, this is our physical prosperity and our physical condition, that with Jesus, if we'll serve him, everything's going to be wonderful? seems to be a contradiction with Jesus' other teachings, doesn't it? So what does Jesus mean? That He came to give us life and life more abundantly. What does He mean? I want to tell you that Jesus is promising us blessings that are primarily of a spiritual nature. It is very short-sighted and hollow to focus solely on our physical condition. You know, this life is short. No matter how long you live, before much longer, you're going to get sick and die. And if you don't get sick and die, you'll be involved in some type of accident that will kill you. This life is short. It's short for all of us. It will not last long. Go to a nursing home. Go to a hospital. And just look around. It's not a pretty sight. The end of this life will come soon, and it's not a pretty sight. Sooner or later, you'll be that person in the nursing home or in the hospital who's struggling to live. Are we to believe that the abundant life that Jesus was talking about is the condition that we live in here, this physical condition? That he, all he cares about is our bank account and our health because sooner or later, we're all going to die. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 19 says this, If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most pitiable. Surely Jesus' promise of an abundant life is not this physical existence that we are in today. Instead, we can enjoy abundant life in spite of our physical condition. Paul was clear on this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul says, hey, listen, this physical condition is not going to get any better. In fact, it's getting worse. 
And you might have woken up with an ache or pain this morning that you didn't have yesterday morning when you woke up because things deteriorate over time. Paul observed that in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. You see, if we focus on the physical, we're going to be guaranteed to ultimately, ultimately be left, let down. But Jesus says that He gave to give us life more abundantly. He's surely not talking solely about physical blessings, is He? He's talking about spiritual blessings. So what are the blessings that we have abundantly in Christ? Well, let's look at a few of them this morning. I want to tell you we have abundant mercy in 1 verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We have abundant mercy through Christ. What is mercy? Let's just envision for a minute that you've committed a crime. Uh, You make up the crime, whatever it may be. You commit a crime and you have to go before the judge. And you go before the judge and the judge gives you a pardon. He says, you committed the crime, but we're not punishing you for that crime. You've just received mercy from the judge. And we have abundant mercy from God the Father. We have committed egregious sins against God. All of us have sinned against God. We've committed sins against God, and you know what we deserve? We deserve the same thing that happened to Nadab and Abihu. What happened to them when they sinned? They were struck dead. We deserve the same thing that happened to Uzzah. What did Uzzah do when he sinned? What happened to him when he sinned? He was struck dead. Ananias and Sapphira, when they sinned, what happened? They were struck dead. You know what? Who else deserves that? I do. I should have been dead a long time ago, and you should have as well. But through Christ, we have abundant mercy. We deserve death the moment we sin. But God has shown us abundant mercy in Christ. He's also shown us abundant grace, and grace goes beyond mercy. Mercy is not giving us what we deserve, but God has also given us abundant grace. A working definition of grace is unmerited favor. Grace gives us what we don't deserve. Mercy pardons us, but grace gives us what we don't deserve. And in Christ, this grace is abundant. In Romans chapter 5, verse 17. Romans 5, verse 17. For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. We have abundant blessings in Christ through His abundant grace. Think of all the blessings that we enjoy as a result of the grace that is found in Christ. Ephesians 1, verses 2 and 3. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavy places in Christ. We have Christ's grace, and it is abundant. We also have abundant power that is bestowed upon us through Christ. Abundant power. We're all going to face challenges in this life. There are sure to be physical challenges. 
I'll tell you, there are sure to be spiritual challenges as well. Temptations that we struggle with. Challenges that we face spiritually. Doubts, fears that we face in our lives every day. And these challenges can appear to be overwhelming at times. But we're blessed with God's abundant power to help us overcome the challenges that we face. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. We can overcome the challenges that we face. We can overcome them because of the abundant power that we enjoy as a result of our relationship with God through Christ. We have abundant mercy. We have abundant grace. We have abundant power. I want to tell you, we also have abundant joy because of the blessings that Jesus has given us. Because of these promises, we can have abundant joy. Not the promise that this physical life is going to be wonderful and it's not going to have any difficulties but because of the promise that Jesus has said that He will be with us and take care of us. We can have abundant joy even when this physical life is difficult because of the blessings we enjoy through Christ. 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. Now you do not see Him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. God is faithful to us. He's promised to be with us. And as a result, we can have joy even in difficult circumstances. Same kind of joy the apostles had when they faced difficult circumstances in Acts chapter 5, after they had been beaten because they were trying to live for Christ. And many would have said, oh, that's just a ripoff. I'm supposed to be, everything's supposed to be good when I live for Christ. It was bad for them. And yet they rejoiced in Acts chapter 5, verse 41. So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for His name. They had joy. We can have joy when times are hard. And finally this morning, we can have an abundant entrance into heaven. This abundant life that Jesus has promised us will yield us an abundant entrance into heaven. Christ has promised us that. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 10, Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure, for if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an interest will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus came that we may have life, and we may have it more abundantly. That tells me that I can go to heaven I can go to heaven when this life is over. I can have full confidence in that. And it's going to be an abundance entrance into heaven. It's not going to be a barely squeaking by entrance. Have you ever heard someone say, yeah, I want to go to heaven. If I can just get in far enough that when they shut the gates, it sort of brushes me on the backside. That's all I'm going to, that's all I need. Entrance For one, they don't shut the gates in heaven. For two, that's not the kind of entrance that we're promised, is it? We're promised an abundant entrance because we can go to heaven. And we need to have confidence in that, that God has promised us an abundance entrance into heaven. Don't doubt that you can make it into heaven. You can. Jesus came that we may have life and we may have it more abundantly.
This is a wonderful promise that we may have life and we may have it more abundantly. I'm going to tell you, it transcends any type of physical blessings that may be here on earth. Are our lives blessed physically because we serve Jesus? I believe in many ways they are. But our lives aren't going to be perfect. And our, my, our lives may be constrained to beans and rice. Our lives may be constrained to physical challenges that never get better. But we can have spiritual blessings. And we have spiritual blessings today that are far greater and far more important and far more enduring than any physical blessing that we may have here on earth. The question is, are you enjoying the life that Jesus promised today? Are you enjoying that life that He said He came so that you could have it and you could have it more abundantly? Do you enjoy that life? Are you a Christian? Have you become a Christian this morning? Having heard the Word, did you believe it? Hebrews 11 verse 6 tells us, Without faith it's impossible to please Him. Have you repented of those sins that you've done in the past that were contrary to God's Word? Jesus said in Luke 13, verse 3, unless you repent, you'll all likewise perish. Have you confessed your faith in Christ? Romans 10, verse 10 says, with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Have you been baptized for the remission of your sins? Mark 16, verse 16 says, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And are you living faithful? That verse we looked at in Revelation chapter 2, verse 10, says we've got to be faithful even if it costs us our life. Are you living a faithful life so you can enjoy that abundant life? If not, can we help you? Would you let us know if we can help while we stand and while we sing?